Welcome to Light Warrior Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, author of the number one best-selling book, Sensitivity is Your Superpower. How to Harness Your Gifts, Fulfill Your Purpose, and Create a Life of Joy. And if you are new to this podcast, I'd love to invite you to get my free gift. It's called the Sensitive Soul Empowerment Guide. It's the three ways of navigating your way to more peace, positivity, and personal power. And that is a free download for you at SensitiveSoulGuide.com. SensitiveSoulGuide.com is the domain name that you can go to to download this gift. And you'll also uh, get an invite, completely optional, but again, invite to join in on our Light Medicine community, which is on the app called Circle. And we're really, really enjoying it there. It's sort of familiar, like it's like sort of like Facebook-like, but without all the, you know, censorship. <laughs> so it's really fun in there, and um, we announce the different events and our mini healings and things like that, and we have a lot of fun, and we share things, uh, you know, of, for each other, sometimes humorous, sometimes uh, educational um, in that group. So that's the Light Medicine community. So definitely come in through the Sense of Soul Guide. So today my special guest is Barbara Ditlow, and when we first interviewed her, we talked about human design, how that can help your evolution, and in the midst of that conversation, I found out that Barbara was a specialist in cults. And I thought, ooh, I was like, my intuition was like, have her back on and talk about cults. So I was like, okay, okay. Um, so I'm listening to my intuition, and I don't really know a lot about cults, so, but Barbara is an expert, and I, you know, I'm really looking forward to hearing what she has to say. One of the things that I wanted to share, uh, first of all, is that my first inkling that there was even such a thing in the modern world as opposed to like way back so-called when in Ku Klux Klan and we've heard about those in history right and I, I you know innocently thought that was that was it <laughs> it's over it's done we don't have these anymore um, is I was in medical school and in actually residency so I was already an MD and working with a professor, uh, Dr. Fraser, George Fraser, in Canada. He's a specialist in multiple personality disorders and anxiety disorders. Beautiful, beautiful man. And um, so I'm working with him one-on-one, -on -one, doing like a hypnosis type of um, training with him. And uh, he would ha take on the the very, very difficult people with multiple personality disorders, multiple, you know, um, problems, panic, you know, that kind of thing. And and I got kind of the easier cases you know, to, to work with. But what was fascinating was he was sharing with me about cults. And I'm like, what? He goes, uh, yeah. He says, uh, well, you know, it's kind of weird. I, I didn't believe it at first. But, you know, some of my patients were sharing with me what they remember from their childhood. And all these folks uh, that were coming to him, um, a majority were women, were talking about the secret societies that they grew up in as children. And there would be a high priestess or priest. And the children would have certain roles to play, like doing the special effects and things like that uh, in these different ceremonies. Um, and they were all sexually abused, um, and which again was very shocking to me. You know, in medical school, I was very, very innocent and um, didn't think this stuff happened. And he said he didn't believe all these wild stories that he was hearing um, at first, but then he was hearing it from more than one patient. And um, his, his, uh, 
therapy for multiple personality disorder was very effective. I, none of it's fast, mind you, but it's very, very effective where he puts all the personalities back together and then the person is functional. And uh, these folks that had gone through these, these intense cult um, experiences were, were not really functioning and they were fractalized and fractalized fractured, sorry, not fractalized, fractured into multiple personalities. So as he was healing them and mending them, you know, uh, one day, unfortunate thing happened is that one patient was walking out. When the other was walking in, they were both part of the same cult and all their personalities shattered again because they recognized each other. And it was like, note to self, this is real. <laughs> uh, this is real and do not schedule these patients together, right? So that was a big learning um, in there and he had to put them all back together. Um, so that was my first kind of foray into the whole idea of cult. And the other thing he said, which again, very shocked me, but it has not come back into my consciousness until the past few number of years is that he said, he said, Karen, the people that run these things here locally, and this is Ottawa, Canada, okay? Like, this is like white collar, you know, uh, you know, government, right? So he says, the people that run these, he says, they're people in law enforcement, they're judges, they're teachers, they're all walks of life. These, some of these people are authority figures, and he says, they're into this, and I'm like, what? And I, I think my, my mind just had like, okay, enough information, don't think I can process this. So I just remember it, but then I just didn't do anything with the information because I, you know, I didn't become a specialist in what he was doing. And it wasn't until the last few years where I was like, wait a second, this is coming out into the open. Who's involved in some of these, let's just say, secret society structures that are super, super harmful, have been going on for a long time, and now we're you know, having this revealed. So without further ado, I am so pleased and grateful to welcome you, Barbara Ditlow, to the show. Thank you, Dr. Karen. It's great being here, and I, I love your story about your introduction to cults and the effect and also the ubiquitousness of cults. Um, I, I recognize the power of symbolism in looking at a person's life and when that one person came out of the you know one appointment and he met the other person in the other appointment there was a you could say a clash of memory with the reality and in a cult when we get into it you have really committed to an ideology that says you can only be one way and you yeah. have to comply with an authoritarian uh, way of being and I can see why there would be a shattering because they would go back to that disintegration uh, rather than the integration they they compartmentalize their life that's what you have to do in a cult and so that that was a wonderful story because that is where where I would say that my gift has been is having been in a cult not an extreme cult but it was extreme because whenever you feel a need to have someone become the expert and you comply with them without questioning or even questioning you go deeper and then those questions are ironed out. I was able to be pulled out of this uh, and be trained as a cult interventionist. So it wasn't as though I was just looking at the psychology. I was looking at the patterns of cults, how they work, how they are spread throughout the world, how they can be religious, how they can be new age, how they can be uh, political. It's, there's, there's a pattern. And once you understand the pattern, you can recognize your vulnerability to being in a cult. Because anyone 
can get into a cult. So there's a certain kind of moral smugness that people often say, mm. how did that happen? But it's interesting, Karen, because you're designed as a pure individual. You looked at your human design chart because that's what I do. Because I go back historically, look at an astrology chart, human design chart, because that's often how we interact with the consciousness field and people around us. You're designed to empower others through your unique individuality. Now, a cult is collective. A cult is where you have to subject your individuality to a group, and usually there's a charismatic leader. So I'm going to start to sort of go in what makes a cult, how can you recognize a cult, and what happens to a person when they're in a cult. Uh, okay, that sounds good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, so when I was a little girl, my father was brilliant, and he was multilingual. He had a doctorate in biochemistry in his third language. He was also a patent attorney. But he loved gardening. And I remember he would had this what we call a cultivator. And it was manual. It had a large wheel. And then it had, similar to the plow hooks, behind it on a bar. There were like four hooks. And then he would lower the handles that he was pushing. And it would just rip and tear at that soil. And I remember we had this beautiful yard. And my father decided he was going to put a garden there. So I remember watching this cultivator work. As he was pushing it, it was ripping and tearing at the soil. And I said, Dad, you know, what what are you doing? Because I, I wasn't aware he was going to do a garden. He said, well, I've got to prepare the soil. I've got to really go deep in order to create the ability for a seed to take root and bear mm. the fruit. So we look at the word cult. And then we look at what a cultivator is. It's really going deep and disrupting uh, the soil in order that you can implant or plant an idea, a seed, or way of behaving into the person's mind. So I like that metaphor because that was just an image that stuck with me from childhood. Because physically I thought, oh, I want my grass. It's nice and smooth and green, and you're disrupting the whole thing. So the thing about a cult is... You may not recognize it at, at first. Why? Because as human beings, what we all recognize is we're all different from each other. But usually mm -hmm. a society says, this is better than that. So a society often has what we call comparative thought. So one person is better than the other person, and right now it's the more charismatic that you are. And the more you seem to be the expert or in control of your situation, people will look up to you. And so... Not all cults <clears throat> are religious. Some, as I said before, are political therapy-based and can be focused on, quote, self-improvement. Now, mm. that is commitment to an ideal ideology, but it has to be a charismatic leader. This is the first thing. Many people can have the wisdom, intelligence to, let's say, have a following, but they have the charisma. They're not going to attract the people. Now, the charisma does not have to be, um, let's say, dramatic and, let's say, an energy that is more active and reaches out in the world. It can be very passive. It can be a quiet charisma that draws people in. Oh. But it's something that, this is why you could see someone who seems real quiet, but their charisma is not being shown in the outer world. It's usually a very subtle kind of control that this person can have like the guru type or someone who is mm. the quiet therapist or, or, the, or the quiet religious leader, whatever it is. But 
There's so they don't have to be a Tony Robbins is what you're saying. I'm not saying Tony Robbins is a cult leader. I'm just saying he's not as loud as Tony. <laughs> no, but he's very charismatic. Yes, so he's very charismatic. What do, people, what do people say? I want what he has. Mm. Now let's look at, at um, uh, Sleepless in Seattle. You know, when, the, <clears throat> when Meg Ryan <clears throat> is demonstrating the orgasm in the mm-hmm. in restaurant, mm-hmm. the woman there says, I want what she has. Right. What experiencing. <clears throat> I want it. It's a human drive to feel energized, excited, and uplifted. But what's deeper is most people are looking for meaning. They want to belong to something that gives them an identity that makes them special. This is why I always say be careful of wanting to be special because we're all unique. Mm. Unique means no comparison. That means if you're unique, unique, no one can really tell you what to do because your uniqueness will unfold. But being special is hierarchical. That's okay. About a cult, it's hierarchical. There's a leader and then there's the hierarchy. The leader has its own justice system own rules and regulations, but the people, the followers, they have a different code of law. So it's hierarchical and it will be totalitarian. You comply or else. And they're all different mind techniques that can be used to cultivate, think of ripping that soil and taking away the conditioning that a person has had up to that point and take them down this what we call psychological trap or emotional bondage to this leader or group because it's rooted in fear. A mm. Oh, I've got to belong. If I don't belong, my, I won't be special. I won't know some secret knowledge. I won't be getting the political uh, advantages if I join this cult. And what happens, uh, the main pillar of any cult is the controlling of one's perception of what's really happening. Mm. So it's my control to control perception. Now, how does this work? It works through first fear, then create trauma, and then the people get exhausted because there's too much trauma. There's a study that shows, and I'm sure that, that you've experienced personally as I have, because as humans we have, that you can take one stress, you can take another stress. Mm-hmm. Say if you go bankrupt, your spouse dies, a child dies, both in a car accident, and all of a sudden you owe the IRS 400000 you can collapse. It's too mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. So our psyche can only take so much. So what a cult does is says, oh, if you do this, first trauma. Let's say you feel you're not achieving what you should do uh, in your professional life, so you want some help. And then maybe you've moved to a new neighborhood, a new city. You feel alone. You feel adrift. Or there's a transition in your life, divorce, death, whatever. And you need to feel part of a community because we are we're community animals. We need to be part of something whole. So what happens is you end up finding someone who seems to be charismatic in giving you, becoming the expert. Remember, expert. Mm-hmm. They know more than you. So you go under their wing. Now, if the person has a certain psychological quality to a charismatic leader, which I'll get into, but what happens to the people, they become 
I'm going to say massively suggestible when you're in crisis. You'll do anything. I don't care what it takes. I'm so confused. Ah. I'm so afraid. I've got to have something. I'm going to pay $1,000 for the appointment. I'm going to go to this, whatever it is, because desperation. You become, you could say, susceptible to mind control and suggestions. So what happens in this cult you're having someone, a group, an ideology that's being imposed on you, creates perceptional, perceptual changes into your psyche. And then those changes under fear and under a, fee, a fatigue, you experience what we call emotional upheaval. And then trauma has been achieved. Trauma has been achieved. It goes in your body as an energy frequency. And wow. now you're kind of back in that trauma. And all you have to do is say, look, I know you've had a troubling time, dear, but if you join our group, <clears throat> we have the secret knowledge that will help you. Or, oh my God, there's a world-threatening <clears throat> disease. The experts can handle it. Just follow our direction. That's what works. That's the wow. open. Well, okay, so, so, so just to play the other side here, Barbara, for a second. <laughs> okay, so how, how is that different from, say, my business, where, you know, people go, oh, the doctors can't help me, I've had this issue, you know, um, it, I'm, you know I'm desperate for help, uh, yada, 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 and so I'm like, well, you know what, we have the resources to teach you how to heal yourself, learn my course, if it, you know, <clears throat> if it feels right for you. Uh, how is that different from a cult? It's the end game. <clears throat> for example, when I said that there's a certain psychological makeup for the leader, you know, the four, the dark tetrad, Machiavellianism, narcissism, psychopathology, or sadism, what happens is if you are devoid of empathy, that's where the leadership gets really dangerous. Because if you're, uh, if you're morally disengaged from people, then you don't have empathy for what you do in the end always justifies the means. So we have to eliminate <clears throat> 100 people. No problem. The end <clears throat> justifies the means. So uh, it's really the leader. What does the leader want to do? <clears throat> uh, so you could say that one statement by, who was it? <clears throat> I think it was Lord Afton. Power corrupts and absolute power. Corrupts absolutely. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, that's interesting. And here's a big thing. Power in yoga, in that solar plexus or the sacral energy, power is connected to sexuality and creativity. So oftentimes in cults, you have a motivation for power, but along with that money, and then sex. Huh. So you can see many of the yoga cults where they in idolize someone above themselves. This is the other thing. The individual surrenders their power, disempowers their own intuitive or emotional knowing to the leader. And what happens then, you find, what was it? Remember, whether it was uh, Kripalu, uh, Swami Rama, uh, all these girls. Bikram. Yeah, it was the hot, it was the Bikram yoga yeah. guy was one of them. And then the Kundalini yoga, Baj uh, Yogi Bhajan was another um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, who had sex slaves and things like that. So. Yeah, because that's that's in the frequency. So mm. what makes the difference is the quality. Is the leader empathic or not? Are they doing it because <clears throat> they do want to empower people? 
and there's no connection to establish a base that disempowers people and you remain the expert. The leader remains the expert. Mm, okay, yeah. You know, one of the things my Kung Fu teacher, uh, Sifu uh, Chuck, said, uh, which really impressed me, and I really thought I, I loved that, is he said, you know, it would make me very happy for you to be even more expert than I am, to have my student be even more evolved and expert than I am, then I know I've done my job well. You know, and I thought, wow, <laughs> you know, like, because, you know, the ego is like, I want to be the best and I want to stay the master, right? So I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say that too, you know, and, and, um, and I, and I really, I really loved that, you know, uh, to, to not have to be the be all and end all and whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you can see that empathy is a, a, a fail safe mechanism by which you will do no harm to someone. Mm. You will put yourself in that person's position. But if you're uh, a narcissist, if you're someone who just feels that you're God's messenger and you are the expert and you're above other people, you're going to become the authority. So people give up their authority to make decisions and they also give up reason because it has to move into faith. Because usually, what do they say? Trust the science? Well, you don't trust. My father was a scientist. He said, test the hypothesis. Yep. Test it constantly because it can change depending on you know the situation. And there was a scientist in Italy who was testing the surface, wa- surface tension of water under a full moon versus a new moon. And the experiment always changed depending on you know the external environment. Wow. But within a cult, it's authoritarian. You do what the leader says. And there's, I would say, moral disengagement from the leader. <clears throat> and so so you could say, if someone says integrity is the essence of everything successful, most likely you have to say to them, let me check your background. Uh, you know, what did Shakespeare say? Um, he who protesteth too much, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a problem there. <laughs> so, so oftentimes... True cult leaders will say it's not a cult. You're not in a cult. But what they do is that they have a psychological entitlement to being the leader. They think they're better than anyone, and they deserve better treatment than they give to other people. See, it's a two-tier justice system. What's good for me is good for me, but it's not good for you. Okay. Well, yeah. So we've seen that coming out, and uh, it's a, a kind of a running joke because you know I know that there's a lot of memes going around, uh, kind of you know either making fun of or trying to wake people up around some power structures around the world that have been here for a very long time that just coming mm-hmm. to light that they exist. Um, so they they often make fun of uh, you know Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and his, forum and his quote about, you know, you'll um, you'll own nothing and be happy. Now, the funny thing, Barbara, is like the essence of mm. that is true, <laughs> right? Like, like, yes. like if we could all own nothing and be happy, that would be the essence of nirvana for all of us. But, you know, I, you know, when, when, but when I hear that, you know, my joke back is like, you first, buddy, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, hey, I don't have a problem with that, 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 saying or that quote I, I really don't I think that that really truly is nirvana but if it's equal to all right and not just the little people <laughs> exactly that's why when you were saying that I got a picture of Gandhi in his loincloth you know he had followers 
yeah. there's a big pushback to, you know, Klaus Schwab because it's hypocritical. Because basically, you'll have nothing because we're going to take it all. Mm. You know, it's a wealth shift. It's a wealth capture, and they've captured the regulatory agencies. You know, who watches the watchers? They're they've been they've been stolen through money, and mm. so you can see that secret organizations have begun have been here since time. The yeah. Because humans want to feel special. See, that's the problem. People don't realize their own uniqueness, that they have value. Instead, they need other people to affirm that. And so the, the, you could say characteristics, once you're in a cult, what happens is there's a loss of self-respect. You no longer feel you can make decisions for yourself. Someone's determining it for you. <clears throat> and you probably go through humiliation and some sort of submission. Now, in a way, sororities and fraternities, fraternities with a hazing, what they do is they take people to the lowest common denominator through hazing. Right, right. They humiliate, and then you're in our group. Mm-hmm. They could yeah, I was this. always terrified of that. Um, I guess they stopped that in uh, in Canada and the universities, although it was the, one of the funnest week, weeks we ever had, but lucky for me, there, it was only coming to a certain mm-hmm like degree it didn't go over that line but I can imagine you know it going over that line um, and uh, it could be super harmful it, it it can be and because it instead of lowering people you know raise people this is the work that you do empowering people <clears throat> to be light warriors not uh, you know vehicles of, of darkness descending <laughs> in the group pretending you're uh, <clears throat> you're you are what you're not so the cult, besides being about comparative thought, it's about the identity now being someone special than an outside group. <clears throat> so there's the inner and the outer group. I'm in a special group. You're not. So it begins to separate you from friends, your family, and from your past. Because in order to be in this group, it's the only thing that exists. Mm. And... <clears throat> You descend, I call it descend, because I experienced this. It was a, a Buddhist cult, <laughs> you could say. And it was all about, you know, thought processing, uh, belief patterns, in, you know, empowering your life. But Did you say Buddhist cult? Mm-hmm. That sounds all like, like an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it is, but this is why it was so seductive. And it was interesting when, when I learned about the leader and then went back to the group and was trained by Herb Rosedale, the American Family Foundation, doing cult interventions, no one left. I mean, it was so precise, the the mind control, that what happens is that mm. people, people couldn't look at the evidence. They couldn't see the evidence of this leader. Um, and so they had been crushed over time to feel that they were nothing. You know, nothing, the void. And this, this leader was the divine, you know, guy. Wow. Um, so it was, you know, a descent into what I call perceptual entrapment. There's a trap now, but you don't know you're in it. You could say it's a different matrix with different rules. So your perceptions are trapped. Your body may feel normal. You go out, oh, I'm going to be a judge. I'm going to be the, the teacher in school. But you, how you see everything is... You belong to the group, you're special because you're in the group, and you're going to follow the rules of the group, which can be drawing more people in. So they're authoritarian 
because they've got to control the behavior of people and they also will get in the bedroom. So this is how your program differs, Karen. Mm. You're not going to get in so, the bedroom. <laughs> yeah, so, so the, gosh. Um, so what, I mean, I mean, there's all these different calls. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of be a little bit more explicit on like what different types are there a little bit more. But, but uh, what percentage do you think of all the different kinds of what you would consider cults out there actually have that sexual bedroom requirement in, in, in that whole cult culture? More than what you believe. Okay. I would say 50% easily. Wow. Okay. Easily. Okay. <clears throat> and two-thirds. I would say I would say fifty percent. I feel comfortable saying that. Mm, okay, I know it's just an estimate. So uh, we talked a little bit about what's you know been going on in the world the last three years, but can you like kind of delineate and, and just like what elements of what we've been experiencing the last three years mm. with the pandemic in your expertise do, do you consider cultish? Okay, um, it's a great question. When I was in a cult <clears throat> for seven years and then got out of the cult, something changed in me. It was a shock. And what I realized is many people who have been in a cult whisper to me that they've been in a cult. They don't say it publicly. As I just shared with everybody, what can I learn from this? My vulnerability. Mm, what can I learn from this? It did not, it did not say, <clears throat> I didn't feel I was dishonoring myself. I felt I was saying, this is what happened. Let me, let me share what I've learned and my passage out of this perceptual entrapment. Now, on a quantum physics level or mystical level, you could say my frequency changed. I was no longer entrapped in this heavy frequency. I kind of got out of it and felt this joy and release and freedom I'd never felt before in my life. It's hard to explain. So when this thing happened in February of 2020, as an astrologer, I knew Pluto and Saturn were coming together and there was going to be a problem. There was going to be a dramatic change in institutions or something, authority taking over. I didn't know what it would be like. But when it started happening, I could feel a frequency. I could say, this is, this is not right. This oh, is not being okay. told the truth. It was just a knowing inside of me. So despite what one of the top broadcasting television shows said, the most dangerous statement now, they said, is do your own research. I mm -hmm. decided to do my own research. <laughs> and, and I decided to do my own research, and I realized that there was a real problem here. See, my father, again, I go back to my father. In the later years, he worked for a RADCOM in biochemical warfare. I knew about... Uh, wow. I knew about Lyme disease, Plum Island being a biological warfare, the, the tech thing that got escaped, that's all out in public knowledge now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so when this happened, I said, hmm, there's something that's not right here. So I wasn't knowing for sure, but there was no way I was going to comply with this because I could see that was happening. They said, oh, we just need three weeks to lower the curve. And again, my background, I studied statistics at NYU with Dr. Deming, who was a brilliant statistician. And after class, I couldn't understand so much of this, really. But I said, hey, tell me, are, are these statistics correct? These curves, these data points? 
can I trust him? He said, no, I, you could have just blown me over with a feather because I'm mm. taking this class. He said, look at the dad. He said, you've got to follow the money. He said, yeah. you can find out who's behind the, uh, the size of this sample group. What are they looking for? Do they have an agenda? He went through this whole list and my jaw was on the floor because I, I hadn't thought about that. You know, I was mm. a little vulnerable. So when they came out with this about, oh, this disease and all that, I started doing my own research and following the money. And I knew right away, I said to my son, it's not three weeks, it's going to be a whole year before things begin to settle in. I knew right mm-hmm. away. Don't, but that, again, was because of my experience in a cult. Mm. So is the truth is controlled. There's a small group of people that become the experts, and you must listen to them. And then I watched what happened is the goalposts kept being moved down. Mm-hmm. So annoying. <laughs> yeah, first, first three weeks, we're going to lower the curve. And then all of a sudden, there was, so oh, then we needed ventilators. I mean, it went on and on and on. And I watched the rules were constantly being changed, but not to question it. If you did question it, then the mind control came through the media that you were the problem now. You didn't. Right. You were not complying with the experts. You and were the, the science. Your anti-science, as uh, Justin Trudeau would say, these yes. misogynist people that are anti-science. Yes, and you watch it because there's been a. Remember the age of reason that came. I think it was 1700s or 1800s, and then science became revered like a religion. Mm. In other words you sacrifice or you give up or you surrender your own, let's say, authority to make a decision and do your research to an expert, who's paying them? I always go back. Who are they funded by? What secret society are they in that we don't know about? What are they hiding? You have to do the background research on anybody. And Mm. so, so this is where I kept watching the rules change. And I kept watching... Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, um, my body, my choice being mis- being reinterpreted. Being oh, my goodness. Yes, yes. I was like, wait, wait, wait. I was like, okay, this does not make sense, guys. Okay, if you're like pro this, then why are you anti this? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Then I watched the Constitution further deteriorate, and mm. the authoritarian nature of this became very evident. Mm. the tracking system and then because I was you know did my own research and because I had been in a cult I know in satanic cults one of the requirements is you wear a mask and you stand six feet apart in any kind of sacrificial ceremony so I thought okay great we're all being sacrificed we're wearing masks we're six feet apart oh my god so being sacrificed to some secret society, to some oh overlord that we don't know. And people are going along being really upset if you don't wear a mask. Oh, my God, you're going to kill. What's, what was one of the... You're going to kill grandma. Yeah, you're going to kill grandma. And that was really disgusting. I, I have to put my feelings in here. I was shocked. And I said, this person is getting $30 million a year. And, and she's whoring for this secret society. We're not going to get the whole picture yet because I knew in a cult, the cult leaders never give up power. They just morph, change the message, keep working with people within the cult who can be influenced and can be their foot soldiers or they blackmail. Now, in, in cults, they'll blackmail. Blackmail through 
Now, I'll give you an example. I'm going to use Bikram because I'm trained as a hot yoga teacher, Bikram. And I was out in one of his, <clears throat> you could say, teacher trainings in the early mm-hmm. 200s. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting around 11.30 at night. People are tired. I said, oh, my God. <clears throat> We're getting into a cult experience right now. So interesting, one of the comments that he said is, um, people who cross me, they don't cross me because because think bad things happen to them. I immediately walked out of the room. Wow. I said, this is not correct. How dare you threaten people to accept, you know, you have a good modality. There's a, you started out this innocent guy really giving a good series of asanas to help people. And now you're threatening people who challenge you? Did you say that out loud? No, I thought that when I got it. I wasn't <laughs> going to say that. Because remember, <laughs> I appeared in front of 50 people with hard evidence from a psychiatrist, from, from notes, from whatever, they didn't believe me. I knew that there oh were people that were being entrained into this leader. And you see, most people will never admit they're in a cult. Right. So even if you did say you wouldn't have made a difference, is what you're saying. No, they, they will attack the messenger. Oh. Uh, they will attack you. Because they're trying yeah, to we got a lot that, of that the last few years. Yeah, that's right. If you don't comply, you're attacked. Why? Because part of the mind control is to trigger emotions. See, there's what we call triggering. Mm-hmm. You plant yes. you cultivate, you plant the seed. The seed becomes a trigger, and it's rooted in emotions. So what happens is emotion, this energy comes through, and you just feel rage and anger at the person, and you can't reason. You're taking this broad brush. Anyone who's in the, not in the cult is a disbeliever, and they have to be destroyed. It's a broad wow. brush. You can't see a person as an individual and entering conversation oh, anymore. Okay. Like a broad told, brush. Yes. You've been told you are unique. You are special, not unique. Because if you're unique, you're on the same platform as the leader. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, that is so key that you said that. And, and I wrote it down here. Is, is that whole idea of feeling special or wanting to be special versus really acknowledging our individual uniqueness because if you're special and people want to be special, they want to be like the leader, they want to emulate that specialness, whereas uniqueness is innate to all of us. Exactly. That is so like key. Wow, wow, wow. That's amazing. Because what do we say, oh, I want to be special, oh, a child. Now look, parents will, this is... uh, you know, a sad commentary, but oftentimes parents um, will raise their children in a cult because they'll feel that they're doing the best thing for their child and they'll surrender the child to the cult leader. That's where you have a lot of stories where sexuality comes in because now the leader has control over the child because the parent is no longer the protector. Now, this is what's happening with social media. Okay. The parents cannot protect their children from what's happening on social media. And we do know that if you are a parent, you have to you have to really understand that your children are targets of some of the most powerful people, cults, and dangerous technology on the planet. That's the truth. And you've got to protect them from this and and not allow them. I mean the video games are desensitizing boys and girls to to empathy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're still on these video games at young ages when they should learn to be more sensitive to the value of life. But it's big business. Don't touch that. Oh, do not touch that. That's big business. 
and they can mm. see there's no correlation. But if you look at what's happened in our society, there's a big correlation. You know, with the guns. Yeah. With the guns. But wow. Big- yeah, and comparatively, it's like, you know, I've had comments on Facebook, like, Dr. Karen, you're being irresponsible as a medical doctor, telling people, well, I didn't tell people, I told people to make their own choice, but, I, you know, their perception is that I'm telling people not to mask, right? And you're going to kill millions of people, whatever they say. Anyway, and I'm like, okay, so we are, like you said, we are uh, allowing this, you know, this whole culture, of course, cult is the word in culture, um, of, of, of children, uh, you know, killing each other on video games mm-hmm. and everything else. Like I actually, you know, um, at that point, you know, I argued with my um, husband about his nephew who was 12 at the time. Because I could mm-hmm. see that when that boy was allowed to, when he was visiting us for three weeks, uh, was allowed to just play his video game like incessantly, that he would go grow dark. I could, I could feel it, right? He'd yeah. grow dark, irritable. Um, of course, he didn't eat that well at home. So, <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, how do we eat creatively? Like, because I'm not his mom, right? So you're not my mom. Yeah. You can't tell me what to do, right? So it was like this balance. And then I was like, okay, guys, guys, okay. Here's the thing. Let's do you know, one positive video or movie to every violent killing one that you guys want to watch, right? And, and they did agree to that. But I could tell the difference to this child between after he watched the positive movie, he was a different kid versus when we just let him play whatever video game he wanted 24-7. It was just like, oh, my gosh, just a yeah. monstrous. It's wonderful, result. you know, the videos because they're good babysitters. And it, yep. can, it can create you know, uh, incredible brain stimulation, but it's the content. We have to look at the content because we know with DARPA, which is a defense, um, the defense of advanced research projects agency, DARPA, they have, they are going into mind control. They have, I watched a video where they can put headphones, little headphones in a person's ear and he's working on the computer and they can see if, if the child loses attention and then they put a stimulation through that, electronic device and it puts them back on focus they, they, they there are things embedded in these in so much of the technology that we're not aware of and we do know that the flicker rate of television is in it puts people in the alpha state that's which right is, alpha which is yeah which we were like oh we want to be in alpha we want to be in you know when we're in meditation we go to alpha yeah but maybe not when you're listening to all the other stuff coming through <laughs> And, and what's, interesting, what's interesting is notice when anyone challenges the video games, what we're emotionally challenged. Someone shuts it down. There's no correlation. There's no correlation. There's no correlation. Of course there is because they're designed to correlate, to desensitize. Uh, Some of the best soldiers are those that sit in rooms and use drones to bomb targets that might have people there. Right. Right, just like that. Thinking uh, about what they're Snowden movie. Yes, yes, yes. Now, in, let's say the last couple of years, when when uh, Matt Taibbi came out with the Twitter files and saw, okay, this is another thing in cults. Misinformation. Control the information. You cannot listen to what your mother, your neighbor, your father says. We are the one source of information. Anything that opposes it has to be labeled as misinformation or outside of the cult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so when, when people become rebellious in the cult or want to leave, oh, then you're attacked. 
you're bringing yeah. information into the group you are evil and and what they do similar to primitive societies is if you were in a group and the shaman felt that you were destructive to the group they give you the uh, the bone or the look and you'd be ostracized from the community and eventually you die because you'd be outside of that so there is something true if you leave that cult and you're in the outer out one of the outliers you're no longer in the accepted group privileges are taken from you that you once had in the group well you know and and there's there seems to be you know a, a line where it's like well yeah but there are you know private societies not necessarily secret societies but private mm-hmm. societies where there are guidelines of how to yeah. you know act you know uh, that kind of thing uh, and, and one of the things you're saying is that, you know, the difference between a private society that's not a cult and a, you know, secret society that is, is that, number one, the cult has a charismatic leader at the top, and it's hierarchical. Hierarchical, and using guilt, shame, and fear. Guilt, shame, and fear, yes, yes. Um, and when you said under fear and fatigue, people can become willing to surrender their own intuition and knowing, that moving the line, the goalposts that you talked about earlier, that's exactly what I was feeling. Okay. It's yeah. like if people go, oh, it's going to end soon. Oh, no, it's not. It's like, you know? <laughs> no, no, we got to do some more things. Oh, if they only get their fourth booster, oh, we'd all have, you know, we'd all be immune and these stupid unvaccinated people, you know, <laughs> right, we'd get the freaking vaccine and, and then, you know, we'd be done with this COVID. It's your fault that we're not, right? And then they move the goalposts further, further. So it's like this fear, fatigue, fear. And people definitely, I never, never thought about the fatigue part, but that is so true. People are so tired of this thing. And there was this Desiderata, which was a, a poem or a little, a mem- you could say, inspirational uh, poem that was written, you know, in the 60s, I think. And, and I remember one of the lines there it was, most fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Mm. So I go back to the fear. They tire you out through trauma through constantly changing the message, moving the goalposts, isolate you so you're, you're afraid and that keeps being reinforced because you're tired and you're alone. You can only go to one source for the information. You can't go within. You can't talk to a friend. There's just one source. Wow. Just one source. Just one source. Wow. Okay. Gosh. So, well, let's, you know, we've talked a little bit about that the, the side where it's more and more people are realizing that, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on the last three years um, trying to brainwash people and that kind of thing. And, and then you're also saying that, yeah, when, when people are in that situation of fear and fatigue and things like that, they, they have this perceptual entrapment and they can't really think, feel for themselves or necessarily even do what you did was the research for yourself and even perceive anything different it, despite mountains of evidence, for example, one family member might give to another. Um, they just don't want to, yeah, just don't want to look at it, don't, and that's fine. Now, how about the other side? How about the people who are, in this case, you know, the ones that are trying to, you know, um, spread the truth and yada, yada, yada? Uh, could they be in a cult as well? Well, there's always a cutoff point that a cult doesn't have. There's a cutoff point which you um, uh, mentioned with your with your teacher, with the martial arts teacher, that 
they there's an empowerment that they give to their students or to the group and they're not interested in building the empire mm. there's a real desire to empower people and have them go on their own again it goes back to empowering their uniqueness and knowing knowing as a as a leader that you don't know all the answers for everybody that's crazy so it goes, yeah. right the, it goes right back to the leader. Now, some people are very, because of their upbringing, you know, they're, they're desperate. And so they may cling to a leader longer than others. But it's, uh, there are many leaders. I would say a good example of a leader who does not have a cult following would be Eckhart Tolle. Mm. Because he's a spiritual teacher, but he uh, he doesn't have that kind of stickiness where... Uh, Definitely, he has workshops with his wife, but it's people may cultivate a desire to know the truth that he espouses, that he has taken in, and they can use it to whatever degree they want. But he does not use fear, intimidation, shame, create a group, have people go out there and proselytize how great he is and all that. Doesn't have that. Doesn't have an organization. Now, I'll tell you a self-help group that was pretty... Remember Sishun Moy? Mm-mm. Uh, he was in Greenwich, and he was uh, he was a very charismatic leader. But there was Frederick Lenz, who wrote the book Surfing the Himalayas, and he had scores. He controlled, you could say, scores of software companies and hundreds of groupies, people. He had a whole cult following, and he used hmm. his. He said he was like a reincarnation Tibetan Rama, and you know had all this following. He ended up having. You know, sexual orgies, all these lawsuits from people. You know, Bikram has lawsuits. You know, when you see a lot of lawsuits, you got to question, you know, what organization has promised something and what they lying about. Look at all the lawsuits we have going on now over the last Oh, year. right. right. And well, some of them, I think with Bikram, I think there was even a criminal one, but then he escaped yeah. to wherever he is now. <laughs> so, um Yeah. But yeah. there's something good that they can offer. There's something good and there's some sort of trust factor. But but there are other people out there that are fabulous in the in the you know, in coaching, in inspiring people with ideas and looking at the world that they're in and what are what are some, some thought patterns uh that are that are better than others, what mindsets work, like a growth mindset versus the victim mindset. You know, these are very good um these can be very good uh, these teachers or guides can be very good resources for people to go along their path and be self-empowered. The problem comes when the guru or the teacher or the coach is in debt. And then they look at everything. How can I make more money? How can I make more money? Oh, or, oh you mean debt as in like financial debt as opposed to spiritual oh, debt? <laughs> financial debt, which then okay. through spiritual debt. <laughs> okay. You know, so it's, it's the story the therapist or the coach or the healer can't really improve someone's life because then they won't be able to pay the electricity bill. Oh, that is so interesting that you say that because, you know, there have been a couple of colleagues of mine and, and one in particular that um, there's a couple of, um, you know, uh, this particular person was, you know, very high on his uh, spiritual power, if you will. And, um, uh, but there were some, te- you know, some, some 
let's just say feedback from some of my students that said there are certain things that he said they didn't like. And on, this, on the one hand, there's a lot of things he says is absolutely true. But I think the one thing that got me where I was like, hmm, I need to be a little bit more discerning was that the, the and maybe it's changed, but uh, at the time it felt like, well, if you don't have the spiritual power like I do or the healing power that I do, you really can't, you know, like, you know, I can see so many curses on you and da-da-da-da-da, and so therefore you need me. And that, that, that really rubbed me the wrong way. You know, not, not because necessarily I have the ego to go, well, no, I'm better than you or anything like that, but it was just like, wait a second. It, it feels like a, well, yeah, well, without my help, you're uh, up a creek without a paddle. <laughs> I was like, I don't think that's okay. <laughs> I think there's always another way. And I do tell people that even if they interview with me and, and uh, they decide not to do my program, I said, look, this may not be right for you. I totally get it. Um, there is another way, and you will find that. If not me, someone else. And see, there's, there's a beauty to that, Karen, because you're offering a tool which can be the, the, the first tool that they have, the middle tool, the last tool, mm. the tool that just triggers a complete, uh, you know, fulfillment of their direction. You know, they, ah, I got it. And so you're not in, entrapping them and no, you, it's just your way. It's just your way because you see what you were picking up in a cult. Members are expected to be, you could say, unquestionable in their commitment. They give up their quest. They turn all their questions. They're going to be answered by this one person. Only one way. Okay. Well, the other thing that got me a little bit like, you know, a little riled up uh, was that my understanding was if you did sign up with this person to be their client or whatever, that you were obligated to do a testimonial. And I'm like, well, how could I do a testimonial if I haven't done the work with you? And I don't, you know what I mean? Like it was... It was this weird thing, and I was like, I don't do that. I mean, it's great if people offer it. We can ask, you know, uh, but, but and I'm like, hey, if it doesn't resonate with you, that's, that's okay. You know, it's not for everybody. But it was just weird to me. To, how, how can you obligate someone to give you a testimonial? I just, didn't, I just didn't get that. Well, it's kind of funny that you say that because part of a, a cult is that, I mean, these are, it's stimulating memories here, is that you've got to be, zealous you've got to be support you've got to be sort of we call testify about how wonderful that cult person is so requiring a testimonial has seeds of that you've got to let people know how wonderful this is because then they become a marketing arm for that person and cults as they build they will have like a you could almost say a, a pyramid structure the inner circle and the outer circle goes out and, and actually uh, enlists, enrolls, and gets family members, friends, or whatever, um, you know, into the cult. Oh, mm. I love her or him. You should try it. And then that's right. them, see? Right. That's very interesting. Now, some people who have, uh, in myself, I grew up with uh, my mom being, um, you know, inundated with requests to join uh, a network marketing company. Amway was really big back then. Um, Uh And she hated it. She just hated it. So I I ended up with this belief system that anything that was smacking of network marketing was bad. And selling was bad. She wouldn't let me do Avon. (laughs) I was a girly girl. I wanted to do Avon. Because my friend did it. Um, She was trying to protect me, you know. Um, so, So, but there are legitimate businesses out there 
that yeah. are based on telling people about the product. Mm -hmm. um, and, and how is that different from a cult? Well, because you're going to be financially rewarded, you have to turn over, and I'm sure there's a commission split, so some of the money yep. goes up to people above you, but they give you a formula and a pattern. Do the rules change? Do the goalposts change? Uh, occasionally, but not very often. Mm -hmm. yeah. is, you have to be the leader of your own little uh, business, right? Right. Is there, is there one person, head of that company, that you bow down to, that you go to? We adore, we adore but, <laughs> uh, but we are allowed to do the business our way, and our success is obviously down to how much we work it, you know, whether we do or we don't. Um, no, one's, no one's knocking on our door going, hey, well, in most groups, <laughs> uh, you know, knocking down our door going, hey, you didn't do X number of calls today. What's wrong with you? And, you know, that kind of stuff. So what's the ide ideology behind it? Well, um, that, uh, uh, well, certain products are better sold person to person rather than sitting on a store shelf when no one knows how to use it. Mm -hmm. So it does require time and teaching for people to, at least the product that I sell, uh, they go, how do I use this thing? <laughs> right? It's not a pill that you pop, right? So it's different. So for people's time to uh, have a conversation, teach them, train them on how to use the product, and that they get great results, then tell other people so you can you know, help more people live a drug-free, healthier life or lifestyle. So that's mm -hmm. kind of the mission statement, and um, I'm in line with that, which is why I love that product and sell that product. And because you're in service, the sales is service. You're improving their lives. Yes. So this company is not telling you to think a certain way. Like, yeah, you sell this product, but now you have to uh, do uh, 50 Hail Marys every morning, stand on your head, and go into a lotus pose. <laughs> no. I mean, there's guidelines for sure. This is how you can do it. You know, this is some product webinars, show you a little bit more, some more information mm -hmm. uh, for sure. And, and if anything, I'm, I'm the one that said, hey, you know, I, I think we need some more resources I mean, uh, earlier in the company, um, so I did, you know, free videos on YouTube just showing people where acupuncture points were, where they can put the phototherapy patch to, you know, for right. different kinds of things. So trying to empower people, because I, I did not want to drive six hours south to New York City to show my friend this one acupuncture point, okay? I was not going to do that. So I figured out how to do it, you know, online and on video, which I was very scared at the point, at that point to do, be so out there, right? But now I'm YouTube famous, so I'm good. <laughs> and, and the good thing is, is, in, in any kind of sales organization, there's usually a commission involved. The more you make, usually there's less taken from you because, you know, your volume, they get the same amount because you're doing more. Um, within the company, do you feel as though uh, you can express your own opinions and challenge things and be your own authority in how you sell? Mm, I do. Um yeah, I mean, I mean, certain things like certain things that are not allowed, um, not allowed to, you know, claim medical claims, right? Because yeah. I could get the company into big trouble with the FDA. Totally get that. We're really honoring that, understanding the way the world is with the regulatory agencies, uh, and that we are in the category of health and wellness. So we want to stick to symptoms, and mm -hmm. so we're very strict on that. And people that do stray from that get a call from compliance. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and said, hey, uh, you got to fix this on your website. You got to get rid of this, 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 that testimonial because we can't have that right now. And um, yeah, so they will give them a deadline and say, hey, you need to do this by 10 days from now or whatever. So yeah, so there are some rules that way. 
practice that's based in legal compliance. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, but, and that has been something that's been established outside of the organization to begin with. Okay, and they want to operate within the, the legal laws. You know, don't represent yourself as this if you're not licensed by this, et cetera. Et cetera. Right, right. Yes, that's fair perfectly. enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. Okay, um, okay. So I don't, a lot of the network marketing companies, they've used a technique which is a very important, a community, you know, where you can take a product and go out there and they, they have a, you know, sales force that's empowered through their individual way of, you know, marketing according to certain rules. Mm-hmm. And their own story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. We never tell, well... I don't think anybody I know anyway uh, in our business ever tell people to make up stories or to lie or anything like that. It's all around what's real for you. And we tell people, if, you know, people, sometimes people come, yeah, because I'm more YouTube famous now than I was before, and they're like, oh, we're going to make you lots of money, Dr. Karen. I'm like, um, actually, I'm more, <laughs> I, thank you very much, and uh, we're going to see if you're a fit because what we really care about is making a difference for people's lives. Making money is great. Uh, but if you're not using the product, if you're not, you know, trainable, uh, if you're not a good fit for our energies, then we're going to have to find you another team. And I have said no. There's <laughs> some people that were so pissed or shocked. They're yeah. like, what? I can't believe you don't want me. You know, and I'm like, uh, no, no, you, you just uh, missed an appointment with me, didn't apologize, and uh, I'm $1,000 an hour, so I'm going to find you another team to go on. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, so do you feel that your that your perceptions are trapped in this organization? Are you free to do other things? Oh no, I don't, I don't, I don't feel trapped at all. I, I think that you know sometimes people who are um, maybe not as financially successful in the company will say, well, the company should do this, and the company should do that. They should improve customer service. They should improve this and that. And at the beginning, I was exactly like that as well. And then now, having you know, been an entrepreneur for so long, realizing just how much time it takes to make those changes and improvements. Now I realize, uh, yeah, unless I'm at the very, very top echelon of that company in senior presidential director or in the board of directors, I don't, I don't have a right to tell the company how to do their job because I, you know, I haven't put in the time and effort, to, you know, to be at the top echelons of, of money earners to earn that place. I mean, I can do from a clinician's point of view, right? Like, you know, using the product, that kind of thing. But from a financial or how to run the company, I don't have a right to say that. Yeah, and that's their company. You know, that's the, mm-hmm. the corporate structure there, right? Yeah. But you, but you mm-hmm. do have the flexibility under their umbrella to sell a product and put your unique perception into that sales process and, you know, make people's lives better because it's something that you believe in and you've experienced that the change within yourself, I would imagine. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Many, many times. <laughs> Probably saved my life a couple of times from some interesting skating accidents. But, um, yeah, yeah. So I see what you mean. I see what you mean. There, there's some, some major key differences. Uh, thank you for diagnosing that with me. <laughs> But also, also, you're an individual. You wouldn't, you would not see. I'm just going back into human design, and you're not designed to be entrapped in someone else having power over you. Oh, you mean my personal human design? Personal human design. So you can partner oh. with a company. See, okay. I'd be more looking at your design. I'd say, well, you're going to be empowered by that company in a partnership, but you're not going to, you know, put your whole life wrapped up in following every command that they give you. That's not it. 
Oh, okay, that is not in yeah alignment with my unique human design. So, uh, Barbara, speaking of human design, uh, tell us a little bit more about what you do, not just in terms of cult interventions, but also yeah. that, uh, but also human design. So, where can people find you? How can people work with you? Um, I I work the hat that I wear is the human design hat, but I incorporate other modalities if need be in our session together. So I've been uh, you know in the human say consciousness field since the 60s you could say I'm an elder <laughs> I don't feel that old but anyway um, so my my website is humandesignconsultations.com and so I work with people to empower them hopefully in the first reading and give them direction so they can have a better life so they can feel empowered to make decisions if they have a you know a predisposition to lose themselves in other people or feel that they're not enough. We work on that, you know, very easily. And so that's my goal is to empower people so they can make decisions and don't get caught in cults. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that is that is really, really great. So if someone is waking up now to the uh oh, I think I've been in a cult. Like I've been I'll just give you an example. Uh, you know, James and I, my husband and I were following some people in the truther movement. And then as we were listening to them, we realized that they were saying the same old thing over and over again. And whatever they were saying was not coming true because they're like, oh, this project's delayed or, oh, you know, this thing is delayed or, oh, this didn't happen because the bad guys did such and such and the white hats, you know, they did such and such. And then it was all these stories and I'm like, can I get some proof? Because I don't really, I don't really see what's going. And then it was like the same thing, the fatigue, you know. But in this case, not fear and fatigue. It was hope and fatigue. It was literally like disappointing people almost every week. And then after however many months of that, James and I looked at each other. I'm like, I'm done. He goes, I'm done. And his key was that in this particular person we were uh, listening to, he was saying the same thing over and over again. And they're all talking about God and, you know, being 5D and everything like that. But in the next breath, they would call people stupid. Exactly. Right? These stupid people, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, wait, wait. James is like, he turns to me and goes, does that sound like 5D to you to call people stupid? I'm like, uh, no. I said, well, maybe it was a slip, right? Oh, they did it over and over again. We're, and we're like, okay, we're done. We're done. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> yeah, so. well, I have a very good friend who's in the truther movement. And I, you know, because I'm trained in this, it was about two years ago, I said, how long are you going to believe in this? I said, I respect it, whatever, but can you just tell me before we continue our conversation and the text messages and the videos you send me? Could you tell me how long you're going to believe in this? She said, as long as it takes. Hmm. I said, okay. I wasn't going to interfere. I wasn't right. going to challenge it. Because right. I knew, this is the key, what you said, the fatigue and hope. It's, you cannot give up hope in this life. And what they do is they're playing on hope. And what yeah. happens is they've gone deep into perceptual entrapment that eventually it will happen. And yes. who are they to question the failure, the timing? Because you have to have faith in God. Remember, you That's give up right. reason. You give up reason. You give up logical questioning and argument and looking at the evidence. God wins. Here's another one, right? Mm-hmm. I hear yeah, that God. from the same people. God wins. Uh, and I'm like, wait, okay. Well, in the current consciousness that I'm at, I, I don't think about as much winners and losers. I kind of think of win-win-win for everyone. Mm-hmm. Even the bad guys, so-called bad guys. Um, and so when you say God wins, 
and you need to be patient and it takes as long as it takes, right? But just that up and down, we're going to have, you know, I don't know, healthcare cards for everyone and everyone's going to have free healthcare and natural access to natural healthcare. And I'm thinking to myself, that is a huge endeavor. Like, well, like just the, 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 like the, 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 the paperwork, okay, to be able to do that is incredible. And then, if, oh, it's delayed. Oh, it's delayed. Oh, it's delayed. And I was like, yeah, okay, fine. Whatever. <laughs> okay, one thing about a cult is it inverts everything. It inverts, inverts everything, okay. There could be free health care for everybody under Klaus Schwab's thing. There could be a digital currency under the World Economic Forum ideas. All those things that they're promising with rainbows and roses in this truth movement could happen, but under a totalitarian technocracy. Hmm. So we know during the Bolshevik Re Revolution, they had a group sort of like this, sort of like the truther movement. And what was the goal? To keep those people waiting for the plan to unfold so they wouldn't do anything. It kind yes. of the, it separates the wolves. In other words, now they're becoming little lambykins following hope, following right. the reason they give up on the reason. So, so, so the religious folks. I'm not saying I'm not blanketing everyone. Okay, mm -hmm. um, is is that um, what I've seen? At least my perception is that uh, the waiting. So we're waiting for Donald Trump to come back in. We're waiting for the second coming of Christ, so Christ can save us. Mm -hmm. We're waiting for Jasara Nasara. We're waiting for all these things. <laughs> uh, and uh, some of us are in the trenches and saying mm -hmm. to our friends, I'm sorry, I can't support your, I'd love to support your business. I really want to support your business, but I'm not in alignment with you masking children in your business. There is no, first of all, legal you know, uh, there's no law. Second of all, there's no evidence. And in fact, there's evidence of harm. Will you please look at this? And I would really like you to, you know, change your mind. And even if they, you know, worst case scenario, they took you to court, a thousand dollar fine. Uh, they can't win. It's not a law, <laughs> right? And the friend saying, nope, we're going to make everyone mask. But it's it's harder and takes more time for me to explain all that to someone I care about and that I love. Mm -hmm. Than it does to just wait and hope that someone's going to fix it for me. Exactly. And so there are fewer warriors out there, right? Mm -hmm. There are fewer warriors and you have people there. There are people that uh, we call them frequency carriers that sit back and they're, you know, they're meditating, they're praying, or they're just being, uh, you know, raising, you know, just keeping the space of, of goodness. Ah, holding the space of goodness, right. And then we have other people that could really be out there, but they're saying, oh, everything's going to happen. And I've heard everything they say is going to happen. I say, but the reverse, it all can happen. But instead of empowering people, it's totalitarian. Mm. And you see, there's, there's a little bit of truth in this that keeps people in. I learned tremendous amount when I was in this cult. Tremendous amount because there's enough, enough truth that resonated that keeps you in, but then you go deeper into the commitment. And, and when I started the cult interventions, all you have to do is look in people's eyes, one-on-one. -on -one. You've got to be in aura with them, and you talk to them. You can see where their eyes begin to move back in their head slightly, and you can see they're in emotional. It's a trigger. Fear comes up. You know, in MK Alter, they call it the different altars. <laughs> you know, oh. they can't go outside of this altar. Because there's danger, there's fear, the fear is implanted there. And, right. and this whole truther movement, uh, I just, just like when uh, 
the events happened in February of 2020. There's a frequency in that truther movement that I say, honey, this is a cult. Oh, man. Well, and, and uh, it's, uh, you know, maybe it starts innocently, I don't know, uh, but, you know, pre- you know, it can be preying on those that want that solution. And one of the, let's just say disagreements, not arguments, but disagreements that I had with uh, a particular organization that I was in for a number of months because the ideal was, was really good, you know, like let's create assemblies in our local community when the government falls, you know, they're going to need leaders and there's usually a vacuum when, when the government's, you know, so I get that, like, like let's put high vibe people in a, have some sort of structure to people f- to lean on in those times. So I got that. But as I was going through that, that movement, I realized, well, the head honcho says, well, you got to do it this way. And I'm like, yeah, but why do I have to do it this way? <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm not really into this corporate stuff. Do we really have to do it? You know, and they're like, well, it's better if you did this way. You know? And the people were wonderful, you know, beautiful people that I, that I work with. But the bottom line was I found out that uh, this particular leader said that they were uh, executing uh, the bad guys and taking them, uh, some of them off-world, supposedly, uh, with maybe off-world beings who are in charge of the military of that. And I said, okay, wait, 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 hang on, hang on. So when, when they kill us through the jibby-jabby or whatever, you know, you're against, right? That's called murder. But when we take them off-planet to kill them, well, it's not us. We're returning them to source. I'm like, seriously? You're going to use that term? Because I was like, uh, they could say the same thing for when they kill us. We're just returning you to source, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It just seemed too like hypocritical to me. So I was like, I'm done. So you you had a keen sense of the obvious. <laughs> well, it took me months, but. <laughs> I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, I think, Barbara. Maybe that's that's an Achilles heel. But (laughs) I like to see the good in people. Yeah, but that's the strength. You did your own research. And then when you got to a point where it didn't feel right, the frequency was off. The Mm -hmm. frequency was off. And this is where we talk about the fifth dimension. Yeah, there's good and evil. But, you know, what's the expression? you got to be Joe... uh, uh, Peck, he wrote the book The Road Less Traveled. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, yep. I feel Scott Peck's best work was People of the Lie. People of the Lie, it really goes into, you have to be very careful when you play with evil. You cannot confront it directly. You have to outflank it. That's biblical. You outflank it. But he pointed outflank. out when you confront evil directly, you become evil. Oh, really? That's very interesting. Yeah. I had not heard about that book, but it does... It does make sense because it's that whole thing you talked about earlier. It's like for the greater good, right? So the greater good, I'm going to kill all these people, maybe exactly. millions, because we're going to save the world that way. And exactly. then it's, it's never been a, this doesn't, I mean, it's always been a, this does not compute to me uh, because it's like, how, okay, so that person's life is not as valuable as the next person's life. Therefore, they can sacrifice them in order to save more people. I'm like, and then even when movies show that over and over again, right, I'm like, oh. Okay, I, I'm not getting it. <laughs> it just doesn't feel aligned to that. It's totalitarian. Mm. How many people were killed under Mao, under communism, and justifies the means? Yeah. No empathy. No empathy. Yeah, and justifies the means as long as you're not the one who's experiencing that. Right, right, exactly. And the people who are making the rules aren't the ones 
at the, you know, suffering from their own rules. No, because remember in a cult, there are two levels of justice. Okay. Justice for the, the leader and the inner circle and justice for the followers. Two yeah. different sets of laws. Two different sets of rules. Yes, that's becoming clearer and clearer and clearer. Yeah. Um, so, Barbara, just to let everyone else know, uh, humandesignconsultations.com, all one oh. word, humandesignconsultations.com, is a way to get in touch with Barbara. Highly recommend. Uh, if you have not had your human design uh, analyzed, uh, Barbara does an amazing job. I mean, even though I didn't know my t- you know, uh, time of birth, uh, it was incredibly accurate, so, so helpful. And then uh, we had Barbara do uh, my husband's chart, and it totally made sense. Uh, you know, Barbara, what you what you told him and where he's at, and I used to get frustrated from time to time, <laughs> like, "Come on, aren't you there yet?" You know, and then realizing he's not in the the whatever they call it, you know, the that that peak of of that shift, uh, that transformation until the summer, right? <laughs> so, um, and oh my gosh, it, I think it helps people get along better too to really understand their uniqueness and what they're here and what you said to me totally resonated and I was like in tears just in joy just you know knowing more about myself wonderful wonderful yeah, that makes yes. me really appreciate what I do and appreciate um, you know what I share because mm. it's, really, it's really not to <clears throat> not to keep people uh, in the dark about their own beauty yes Yes, it's absolutely beauty, beautiful and uh, uh, revelationary. Uh, Barbara, is there any like last um, words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, and it's just, you know, trust your own inner knowing. Mm. And, and I always say talk to different people. Be open to other people's opinions. Don't take that broad brush and assume people are one way because they appear a certain way or you've experienced them in one way. Be curious. Be curious and open to the wonder of all the possibilities in your life. I love that. Curiosity is one of my favorite words. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much, Barbara, for being with us today. And uh, we truly appreciate the gifts that you give to our world. And I feel personally truly blessed to have you in my life. Thank you so much, Karen, and thank you for the invitation to be on your program. Oh, my pleasure. I want to thank everyone for listening in as well to Light Warrior Radio. Until next time, lots of love, everyone. Bye for now.